You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Joe Hopkins. I'm joined today by Mike Chappell, and we're going to recap the Colts' close loss to the Commanders, discuss Sam Ellinger's first NFL start, and we're also going to talk about some takeaways for that game as well. Before we get started here, Mike, how are you doing on this Halloween? Pretty good. One thing I'll throw out there, because... We make predictions. I predicted 17-16 in my uh, online prediction. So, of course, I predicted the Colts 17-16. I I suppose that matters, doesn't it? Just just a little bit. But great score. I mean, you were right about the under. Let's go ahead and get into the recap here. The 3-3-1 Colts host the 3-4 Commanders. Uh, This was supposed to be Carson Wentz's return to Indianapolis. But it ended up being the backup bowl with Sam Ellinger and Taylor Heineke starting at quarterback. Uh, Star linebacker Shaq Leonard made his second return from injury this year. But the Colts would be without defensive end Quidipay, who continues to rehabilitate his ankle that he suffered a few weeks ago against the Broncos. But Ellinger, in his debut as a starter, uh, out there and the offense got off to a slow start. Per usual, Indy's first two drives ended in three and outs. But thankfully, the Colts' defense did their job early and forced Washington to punt on their first two drives as well. Ellinger in the office, Ellinger in the offense got going on their third drive. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. combined for 62 yards on this drive. Taylor broke a 27-yarder, his longest of the season, but appeared to get hurt on the play. He would leave the game have his ankles taped, and later return. After Taylor's run, the Colts had a first and 10 at Washington 25, but a second down sack would be too much to recover from. Indy settles for a 46-yard Chase McLaughlin field goal. Colts strike first, up 3 and nothing. But, Mike, I want to talk about the sack for a second. It looked like the offensive line wasn't even ready for the snap. The whole right side just didn't even block anybody. Um, I guess that's the kind of thing that can happen with a new starter at quarterback. Yeah, somebody in the, in the locker room mentioned there was a cadence issue. And, and you know, like you said, that, that's what happens when, when you've got a new quarterback. It's You've got maybe a week or a week and a half to kind of prepare for this because Ellinger took some snaps the previous week. But it's one of those things you have to deal with when you change quarterbacks midseason. Yeah, so the Colts up 3 nothing, but Washington would respond. After a first down on the ground, Indy's own Terry McLaurin would cook Kenny Moore from the slot. He caught a short pass crossing the middle and takes off for 42 yards down at the Colts' 19. A couple plays later, Heineke would find Antonio Gibson wide open in the flat. He strolls in for a 9-yard touchdown to make it 7-3. to Looked like a busted coverage on the play. Either Shaq Leonard or Stephon Gilmore uh, has got to pick that up. Gibson finished with seven catches for 58 yards. Mike, the Colts had issues covering the flat all day. It, it's And it was crazy. I mean, it's – I don't know if it's a linebacker or or who or the slot guy who's supposed to bet. I, I assume the linebacker. But uh, time after time – you kind of wonder, you know, boy, if other teams can – and this wasn't just a, an isolated incident. It's happened this season. So I don't know whether – I think Shaq Leonard talked about miscommunication. I don't know. He took exception that, that he might have been responsible for the touchdown. 
somebody. Uh, those were just gimme yards, and in a game like this, easy yards should not be the norm at all, and they were. Yeah, they were, especially on that drive. Uh, the teams within trade punts. Six minutes to go now in the half. Colts looking to retake the lead, and they find success on the ground. The drive starts with a nifty 28-yard run by Paris Campbell, who had a real nice game Sunday. Uh, then nine yards on a direct snap to Naheem Hines. Eight-yard run by Taylor. Nine-yard run by Taylor. Then a fat face mask on an Ellinger run sets Indy up at the Washington 13. First down, four-yard loss by Deion Jackson. Second down, pressure gets to Ellinger, who loses the ball as he tries to tuck it away. Fumble recovered by Washington. A killer turnover in the red zone. That's the kind of thing that just can't happen. Uh, Ellinger got hit, but he seemed to kind of cough up the ball before the hit even got to him. Just mishandling of the football uh, cost the Colts points on that drive. 2.30 to go in the half. The Colts defense would hold, and we go in at a halftime, 7-3. to three. Washington gets the ball to start the third quarter, and they're driving near midfield. Nine-yard gate by McLaurin on third down sets up a fourth and one, and the commanders opt to go for it. They run it up the middle with the rookie Brian Robinson, but EJ Speed comes knifing in and brings him down in the backfield. The Colts take over at the 50. Ellinger picks up a first down with his legs. Then on third and eight, he finds Alec Pierce, who makes a fantastic catch for nine yards. A couple plays later, the Colts facing third and three at Washington's 21. Jonathan Taylor stuffed for no gain. The Colts settle for another field goal, and they shorten the lead. It's now 7-6. to six. After Indy's defense forces a three and out, the Colts are driving once again. Alec Pierce beats his man deep, and Ellinger delivers a beautiful ball for a 47-yard gain. Then, eight-yard run by Taylor gives Colts second and two at Washington's 26. Taylor bursts up the middle again for a first down, but he's loose with the football and fumbles it on the hit from the safety. Washington recovers. Mike, that's another Colts fumble in scoring territory. Yeah, normally what's really killed this team is, is they have turnovers in, in at least the points. I think it was like 46 points, whatever, on the turnovers coming into uh, Sunday's game. This didn't cost them, you know, Washington didn't score points, but it cost the Colts points. You're going to get at least three each time. And the way they were moving on those drives, probably one of those is a touchdown. And it's just, so I, I guess we can't blame this on Matt Ryan, can we? I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can with the turnovers. But they, they've now fumbled 21 times. That is staggering. I think they've lost, what is it now, five or six Fumble. I think seven. Is it seven? Think... Yeah, seven fumbles in nine, 16 turnovers. It's tied for most of the league. Good teams can't overcome 16 turnovers, and the Colts are not a good team. No, they are certainly not. Uh, you are what your record say, says you are, and the Colts don't have a good record. Um, like you said, Mike, the Colts defense able to hold. They force a third and out after the fumble with a third down sack on Heineke. Indy's offense gets the ball again, and they're looking to rebound. A holding call on Matt Pryor wipes out a 21-yard Ellinger run. But then Paris Campbell on the next play takes a screen pass and scoots for a gain of 38. The play after that, Ellinger drops an over-the-shoulder dime to Naheem Hines for 22 yards. It's first down at the three-yard line early in the fourth quarter. Ellinger rushes off the left end, but for no gain. Second down, a little toss pass to Pittman. 
um, who kind of goes around the left tackle, collides with the defender at the goal line. It's originally called a touchdown, but after further review, the play is overturned, setting up third and inches from the goal line. The Colts give it to their star running back, Jonathan Taylor, who is stuffed up the middle for no gain. And Indianapolis decides to kick a third field goal now to make it 9-7. to seven. Mike, I want your thoughts on that series at the goal line um, because it was – I thought there was a few interesting things there. But before I talk about it, what did you think of that series? Well, it just showed you how creative Reich tried to get down at, at the goal line. I mean, he, he tries the quarterback sweep, which obviously didn't work. And then you, then you try your the, the touch pass, and I tell you, First glance, it looked like Pittman was in, and and, and then he wasn't. And and then with Taylor, you'd, at some point this year, when are they just going to say that they can't play short yardage with their running back conventionally? So, I guess I didn't have a lot of problem with it. I just they still believe they can get short yards with their running back, and it can't happen. I had no problem taking a field taking the field goal there. You want to get the lead, should have been a touchdown. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the field goal either, especially after you lost yards on that you know, third down. Maybe if it was still fourth and inches, you think about it a little bit harder. I thought Michael Pittman Jr., and it's easy for me to say you know, here, but Michael Pittman Jr. has got to find a way to get in the end zone there. Reach the ball out, go over the top. You're six foot four, 220 pounds um, going up against a defensive back there. I, I was shocked that Pittman, who's usually – uh, uh, great with the ball in his hands, wasn't able to score on that play. And then the third down, I mean, I would have been more surprised if Jonathan Taylor was able to knife in. I mean, they're in the shotgun. It's a draw play. They hadn't been able to block all year, and they certainly weren't able to on that one. I thought maybe a quarterback sneak from Ellinger would have been a, a, a nice choice. Ellinger able to push the pile a little bit, maybe get Taylor behind him, shove him into the end zone. But nonetheless, the Colts... Um, had to settle for the field goal and finally get their first lead of the football game. Hey, one, one thing on, on the sneak possibility, that was brought up to Frank Reich about, not necessarily in that play, but later we'll talk about a key, a key play that, did, that didn't take place. He said that, you know, having so little time with, with Kelly and Ellinger to, to work together, sneaks are tough with, with, with a quick exchange. And you know they they haven't worked much on the sneak with the new quarterback, so they just they were not comfortable trying a sneak either in this situation or later in the game when that when they could have salted the game away. I guess that does make some sense because with the center exchange there, he's got to get it quickly to the quarterback and then block his guy because he's right. You know the the center is really the key guy on those quarterback sneaks a lot of times. Um, Colt Stevens now looking to protect that two-point lead on Washington's first play. Taekwon Lewis gets to the quarterback as he throws. The ball flutters up into the air and right to Shaq Leonard. The interception sets Indy up at the 25. Colts now, it's second down and a holding call on Quentin Nelson puts Indy in a second and 22 hole. But the next play, the commanders are called for pass interference on a deep throw to Paris Campbell. And that gives the Colts a first and goal at the six-yard line. Colts in shotgun. Ellinger hands it off to Hines, who gets to the corner and struts into the end zone for the first touchdown of the day. The Colts take a 16-7 lead with 11 minutes left. And the way the defenses have been playing at this point in the game, that lead, that two-possession lead, feels insurmountable. 
But boy, it sure wasn't. Because suddenly, the Colts defense that had been so good for so much of the game fell apart. Indy allows Washington to go on a 12-play, 82-yard drive that takes over six minutes off the clock. Commanders march down to the Colts' three, but an incompletion on third down leads to a field goal. It's now 16-10. to 10. We're back to a one-score game. Colts get the ball with five minutes left. They need to either extend their lead or drain the clock, and they accomplish neither. Colts go three and out after Ellinger's run on third and five comes up just short. And to put the icing on the cake, Frank Reich loses a timeout by challenging the spot. Uh, Matt Hack, or Hawk, I'm sorry, I always call him Hack. Matt Hawk, uh, who rebounded nicely after a rough outing in Tennessee, punts the ball 56 yards. And Washington takes over at their own 11 with two minutes and 39 seconds to go. Commanders still have all three timeouts. Three plays into the drive, the Colts have a chance to end the game on a fourth and one at Washington's 20. But the Commanders convert. Heineke buys time and completes a 12-yard pass to Curtis Samuel. The next play, the Colts lose Tyquan Lewis to injury, and he's carted after a f- off the field after having a very nice game. Lewis was disruptive. Uh, against that commander's front. You got to feel bad for Lewis. Lewis. We'll talk more about his injury in just a minute. Then Heineke scrambles for nine yards. Heineke connects with Sims over the middle for 21 yards. Washington hurries to the line. Ball at Indy's 34. Heineke snaps the ball, looking, looking, backing up, heaves it deep to McLaurin, who rips the ball away for Stephon Gilmore, comes down with the catch, Gain of 33 yards, timeout Washington, ball at the one-yard line in 26 seconds remaining. Very next play, quarterback sneak gets the commanders into the end zone. All-important extra point is good. The Colts stunned, down one point with 22 seconds left. The Colts have one timeout remaining, and their drive starts at the 25. Can Ellinger pull off a miracle? First down, he hits Pittman's in the hands at the 50 with room to run, but MPJ drops the ball. Absolutely brutal. Really a tough game for Pittman, and Indy cannot uh, pull off the improbable win there with just 22 seconds left. We have a final score of 17-16. to 16. The Colts drop their second in a row. Um, Mike, before we get to takeaways here, let's talk about injuries. Taekwon Lewis, it looked like a serious knee injury. He was carted off the field. You sp- spoke with Frank Reich moments ago. What did he have to say? Yeah, patella tendon. He ruptured his left patella tendon. And it, it's just crazy because uh, last Halloween, October 31st, he ruptured his right patella tendon. So done for the season. This kid can't catch a break. He, he, you know, he, he, he's not a, he's not a star star. He, he's not, you know, uh, one of those top tier players. But boy, he's just such a good player. And with him in the rotation, he just adds so much. Where they're going to get that from now, I don't know. Maybe they get Quiddy payback. We'll see. But uh, just, just, just too bad. And, and then Jonathan Taylor again had the ankle. He tweaked his ankle, the same ankle, the right ankle that had been bothering me. Got it retaped and. We'll see. I expect him to be limited in practice this week. And I tell you, it's been a tough year for JT as well. And then we had uh, Tony Brown uh, left the game with a hamstring. Other than that, I don't know that there were any other injuries. Yeah, that's just, I mean, obviously, Jonathan Taylor being the star that he is, the ankle's concerning. 
um, especially being the same ankle. We'll see if he's able to play this upcoming week in New England. Taekwon Lewis, I mean, you just got to feel for the guy. He's dealt with injuries, I mean, really his whole career. And you think about that draft, Lewis and Ture, both second-round picks in that draft, both uh, promising defensive ends who's really had their careers derailed because of injuries. Um, looking at takeaways now, new quarterback, same problems. The offense got off to their typical slow start, eight straight game without points on the opening drive, 10th straight game, 10th straight game trailing at halftime. The Colts have been outscored 105 to 42 in the first half that this season. That's abysmal. And the Colts are also the only team in the NFL to trail entering the fourth quarter in every game this season. Turnovers killed them once again. Two fumbles in scoring territory. Uh, as you noted, Mike, that seven lost fumbles on the season, tied for the most in the NFL. 16 total turnovers tied for the most with New Orleans and New England. Um, and, you know, you couldn't blame the offensive line too much for the turnovers, but they were, again, tough to watch. Ellinger did his best to buy time. He was sacked twice. Untimely holding calls really cost them a few times in this game. Uh, they failed to line up and consistently open holes in the red zone, especially in short yardage situations when you really need it. Um, the Colts entered the game averaging 16 points and two turnovers per contest, and that's exactly what we got Sunday. I know Matt Ryan was kind of ended up being the scapegoat. Uh, the Colts bench him and turned to Allinger, and we'll talk about him in just a minute, his debut. But, Mike, it, it just goes to show that Matt Ryan definitely added, you know, had his own fair share of um, uh, of failures during this season, but it's so much deeper than Ryan. Well, it, it is, and, and we talked, I think, last week going into the game that that, that it, so much would depend on the supporting cast, and and would the would would the the better players step up and help the quarterback? And no, they didn't. I mean, JT loses a fumble, Michael Pittman. You know, doesn't get in. I, I, that, that's a tough play at the goal line. So it, it's you know that's one way. You, if if you reach out and you fumble it, then you're a goat. So the one that bothered me big time was the drop around midfield. Uh, I think he, I think he hit him in the hands about the forty-five and hit. A, he would have got to the fifty, maybe a little past in, in, into Washington territory. You'd have had I don't know sixteen seconds to play, and another, another completion. And we know the leg strength of Chase McLaughlin, so that that's the one that really got me because it it would have with that one it, you would have had a very realistic chance of of winning that game. And when you talk about the offensive line, I think that really impacted Frank Reich. The play I was talking about when it was was it third and five uh, late in the game, and and Ellinger uh, dove. For the first down yardage, and he was just short, just short. I mean, inches short. And fourth and one, what was it? Fourth and one at their own thirty-four, and and you're leading by six. Maybe, maybe in another year, when your line is what it's supposed to be, and Taylor's getting what he's supposed to, you think about getting a half, you know, getting a half a yard. Uh, but he, because he said he thought he thought hard about it. And, and the good old analytics chart said I think it was kind of even on what you should do, but he just couldn't trust. He just couldn't trust a sneak because of what we talked about. He couldn't trust the offensive line, 
which that, that, that says a lot when you can't trust your offensive line to get you half a yard. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Well, and especially I, I thought it was the right call because sure. the defense had been playing so well all game. I get they just gave up the field goal, but you, you, you kind of expect them to, after that, get it back together a little bit and close out the game for you, um, and they weren't able to do it. Let's talk about Ellinger. I thought he was very solid in his debut. He certainly didn't blow me away, but the game didn't look too big for him. He looked poised out there, 17 of 23 for 201 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no interception. He did have the fumble. He also rushed six times for 15 yards. Um, Mike, as he stated, I mean, we talked about in this game the star players really needing to step up and help elevate Ellinger and make some plays for him. I thought Paris Campbell did that. I thought Alec Pierce did that. I thought Pittman and Jonathan Taylor uh, um, both failed to do that. And Pittman, I mean, that's the second week in a row where he's had a rough end of the game because against Tennessee, he had the fumble uh, late in the fourth quarter when the Colts were trying to make a comeback attempt. So Pittman really having a tough couple of weeks. Give me your thoughts on Ellinger. I thought he was. I thought he wasn't the reason they lost. I guess. I mean, the, the fumble was crippling, but he did enough. Uh, it's just hard. I, I saw some people wrote that he showed that that maybe he's the future. I I can't go there. I I just. Yeah. I mean, I and again, I I don't want to trample on Sam Ellinger because I thought he played well, and in my mind, snapshot. I think he showed that he is at worst a solid backup who can come in and, and for a week or two get the job done. Now, over, over the long haul, I'm not sure. And we'll see. We're talking one game. So we're drawing, drawing all of our comments off one game. But I, I thought he did his job. The fumble was unfortunate because he, he was just trying to secure the ball and it got, it got away from him. But he made – four or five plays that Matt Ryan could not have made because of his ability to, to avoid pressure and get outside. And I, I think the more he plays, and from what Frank Reich said last week, th th this is his team for the rest of the year. I think you'll see his confidence grow. Maybe they can do more with him when you have more time to work on that. On the flip side, defenses finally will have – game tape of him so is it possible we saw the best of Sam Ellinger you know Sunday because team they didn't really know what to go what they were going to see so it, but I, I thought he played well it, it beats the heck out of the alternative where you just your eyes tell you this isn't going to work he he can't handle it the moment it is too big for him I just I just want people to tap the brakes that that he is the franchise quarterback maybe that can replace Andrew Luck. I, I just I mean I, I just think that's unfair on so many levels. Let's let this develop and, and see where it goes. He's gonna go into a hornet's nest in Foxborough because Bill Belichick whatever Sam Ellinger thinks he's seen, he'll see ten times more than that in Foxborough. So I, I thought it was a very, very good uh competent debut. But let's just kind of leave it at that, and let's not make more of it more out of it than, than what it was. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure what you can take from that game and say, yeah, this guy is the leader of the franchise going forward. I I thought the best thing I can say in taking away from that is that 
I don't think the Colts made a terrible decision in deciding to bench Matt Ryan and go to Ellinger. I mean, the, the offense at worst was the same, right? 16 points, two turnovers. Um, I, I thought Ellinger was competent, and I thought he played well enough to where you go, okay, he deserves to keep starting the rest of the year. It, it would have been a nightmare if he went out there and just, you know, the three interceptions – completing 50% of his passes and just completely fell on his face. And then you're in a position where you have to go, well, shoot, do we turn to Nick Foles? Do we go back to Matt Ryan in a few weeks? We can't keep starting this guy. Ellinger definitely shows that he deserves to keep starting. Um, the offense is at very least the same offense, at least production wise that we saw with Matt Ryan. And hopefully he'll be able to build on this. Uh, obviously, going up against Bill Belichick next week is going to be a tall task, but the Colts seem like they're going to evaluate him the rest of the season, get to the offseason, and then decide, is this something we, someone we feel confident enough to you know, go into next year as a starting quarterback, or do we need to go find um, the next guy this offseason? And it could be both, right? I mean, the Colts could bring in another quarterback, and if Ellinger beats him out, then Ellinger beats him out. We'll just have to see, but I think it's far too early to draw any kinds of conclusions. You, we just, I mean, it, we just, th- this will be a topic for down the road, but they have got to find their quarterback in the draft. They, they simply do. And I, in my mind, the idea that maybe Ellinger shows enough over the next nine games, is it? My goodness, this took a half the season to go. Is just crazy. I, I, it's just crazy. So, I think what you, what we're going to find out is this this guy can be a very very solid dependable backup. There's, and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that. But wherever this franchise goes in the next ten years, it will be led by the quarterback who comes in from the draft next April. Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta agree with you. Ellinger would have to like blow us away over the rest of the course of the season to do enough to hold off uh, drafting another quarterback. So I and that's not a dig at Ellinger. I mean, he was a six-round pick. If he's a guy who can come in and have a ten-year career as kind of a backup or spot starter type quarterback, that's that's a very successful career. Career. I mean, we're watching quarterbacks who were the second overall pick, like Zach Wilson in New York, not play as well as Ellinger played on Sunday. So uh, no slight to Ellinger, but he's going to have to really do something special over the rest of the course of the season to kind of kill the talks of the Colts drafting their future quarterback. But we have a lot of time to discuss that. Uh, I want to get to our next takeaway here. Darius Leonard in his return back is clearly still working himself into game shape. I mean, he had the interception. I thought that was a gimme. I mean, it, it went right to him. Any defend, professional football player should be able to catch that ball. Uh, gave up a lot to running backs underneath. It, what was kind of concerning to me, Mike, is he looked so slow out there. And I get it. He's had some major injuries over the past several months. The back surgery is a, is a significant surgery to have. Hopefully, Darius can keep working his way back and kind of use the rest of the season to get healthy again, get that, uh, I keep calling him Darius, get that Shaq Leonard athleticism back again. But for a guy who, you know, we're now into week eight, he still just is not moving like we're used to see him moving out there. Well, and I think that's to be expected. And you've got a note on here about how he wasn't on the field in the fourth quarter. And everything you've said is why. You, you, he just He's not ready yet. 
and and if that's you know motivation and and something that he doesn't like what we we say about it, that's fine. But he he just whether it's reaction, whether it was being comfortable, he said you know the first series or so you're just trying to learn the game and get back comfortable, and and then finally he kind of found that 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 comfort level. But uh, yeah, he looks slow if that's the right word. Now whether that is slow athletically or slow reaction time I don't know but I hope this isn't a lost season for him because there's still plenty of time to play to get yourself into shape you know get yourself back and make a difference but we're again we're talking we're talking some serious injuries primarily still I think the back uh in the missed time and We'll see, but it, it, yeah, he he wasn't the same. And you're right that the interception was that was that was Taekwon Lewis's, you know, play. Yeah. But uh, it, it, but it's amazing. I tell you, it's just amazing that some guys are just around the ball. They just make plays, and at the end of the season, no nobody's going to care care that you know any pro athlete would have made that interception because he did and he did. But yeah, we we we've, I don't know where he is. Eighty percent, whatever. He's not back at all, and I understand why they had him on a pitch count. Yeah, I do too. And, I mean, I'm not going to overreact. It's his first game – well, I guess his second game back, but his first game back back. Um, Hopefully he'll be able to week after week get a little bit faster, a little bit better, uh, react a little bit quicker, get those instincts back, get that athleticism back, and get back to that player that, you know, we all know and love because – healthy Shaq Leonard is a sight to behold. I mean, that's that's one of the most exciting football players to watch in the National Football League. Love his game. Hopefully he can get back to what he was um, sooner rather than later. Final takeaway, got to talk about that defensive collapse on the final two drives there. They gave up 10 points and 171 yards during Washington's final two possessions. And it, it came back to really what has plagued this team the last several years is in the fourth quarter, they can't close out games because they can't get to the quarterback. They were unable to get to Heineke. Um, no one made a play when it mattered most. Um, it's it's difficult because I know Quiddy Pay's not out there, but Buckner had the sack in, I think, the first quarter. Really didn't have much of an impact uh, you know, in the fourth. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe got another hustle sack um, when there was a – pressure from uh, some, from somewhere else, and the quarterback was just kind of scrambling. But Yannick is not beating his man and making the impact that the Colts thought they had. Uh, it's, it seems like another year where the pass rush is still not fixed. Oh, on, on the play to McLaren, I mean, goodness gracious, what was it, seven, eight, nine seconds? It's, I hate to see Gilmore kind of lose contact with McLaren at, at the top of the play. That, that led to the reception, but you, you just can't expect corners to cover that long. It, it's just, and it was just, it, it happened a couple of times earlier in the drive too. They converted a couple of fourth, fourth downs because they couldn't get pressure on him. And that, that's what's so, that's what's so frustrating because again, I, I, I understand Frank Reich's decision to, to not go for fourth and one from your own 34 because it worked out exactly as he hoped it would. Hawk punched the ball down to what was it to the the eleven yard line? Yeah, great punt. They, they've got you know two minutes and change. Yes, they had their timeouts, but eighty nine yards 
and and they needed a touchdown. And just it, it it's just again when when the defense limits them to 171 yards in in 10 first downs in the first three, then it's 171 and 10 first downs in the fourth quarter. Make a play. How many times have we said make a play and they couldn't do it? They couldn't do it and didn't do it. Yeah, um, not a takeaway here, but kind of a question I wanted to pose to you, Mike. What should the expectations be for this team moving forward for the rest of the season? I think everyone kind of has their different opinion on this. Frank Wright says we're certainly not waving the the white flag, and that's exactly what you're supposed to say as a head coach of this football team. Um, but me personally, I mean, at this point in the year, the Colts are 3-4-1. and one. Um, They're, I think, at least two games behind the Titans now in the division. I kind of just want to see the young players play some good football and get some good draft position so that the Colts can kind of find their quarterback. Or if Ellinger does play well enough, maybe they find a left tackle high in the draft. I know uh, Chris Ballard, if he's still around, loves uh, building in the trenches. But what, what, what would you like to see from this team for the rest of the season? It's a good question because I don't know that it, <laughs> I don't know that it matters because we were talking in the, in the press box last night about tanking. And I don't think they need to, and, and they never would. This, this the word tanking to a professional athlete is despicable. And go up and ask DeForest Buckner about, hey, you know, if, if you tank this year, it's really going to help your draft status. He'd probably punch you. Because, because these guys, players don't care about next year. They don't care about building for the future. But I don't know that it matters because what we've seen, I, I, I don't know where you can say, you know, I, I, I see where this team can get on a mini roll and do this. If they were playing, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, if they're playing semi-decent, you go to New England and you and you win an ugly game. The, the Patriots aren't very good, and they've got quarterback problems. And then you've got the Raiders, who were just might have had one of the all-time bad games against a bad Saints team. You know, then you get the Phillies or the Phillies. Gee, goodness gracious, baseball. Then you've got the Eagles coming in. Which good luck with that one. But there are games to be won. Pittsburgh later on. There, there, there are games to be won. But I don't. What, what makes us think they're going to flip a switch and quit turning the ball over, and the offensive line is going to get its act together? So I don't think they're going to consciously tank. I think they're going to end up not playing well because right now this is not a good football team. And, and good teams find ways to win, and bad teams find ways to lose. And right now this team is doing just more than enough to find ways to lose. What 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 should we anticipate record-wise? I don't know. I, I, they'll win three or four more games because because they will. And from your point, that's going to hurt their draft status. But I I just I just don't know where the optimism comes from. Getting beyond the coach speak on on where this team's going to give the fan base reason to think forgetting draft status, that this season is going to be anything more than just frustrating week after week after week. Yeah, I saw Paris Campbell had a comment talking about the encouraging part to him was that it's not something that teams are doing to them. It's something that they're doing to themselves, the mistakes, the turnovers, um, the mental lapses. 
we're eight weeks in. I mean, yeah, but that, that, but that's what he said. He said we're eight weeks in, and we got to quit saying that. Yeah, we got to we got to do something. You know, the common denominator is not Washington or Tennessee or Jacksonville. It's Indy. It's the Colts. That that's the common denominator. We can blame Matt Ryan all we want, and he had a hand in it. But he didn't play yesterday. There were still two turnovers. It, it's incredible in today's NFL that you can come in averaging 16.1 points a game and actually hurt your scoring average in, in a game. It, it's just it's you, you can't compete week after week in this league with an offense that can't score. Yeah, and, and, and beating yourselves week after week for eight weeks, I mean – at a certain point, that's got to come back on the coach when you have a football team that consistently beats themselves. I saw a report from uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport saying that several sources told him Frank Wright's job is safe. Um, I, I would I would expect that means, you know, during the season, as we've all kind of talked about, we'd be shocked if there was an in-season firing. But I think after this year, I mean, I'd be surprised if Frank Wright was still the coach of this football team, the way the football team consistently keeps beating themselves and making their own mistakes. It's not like there's a lack of talent out there and the other guys just just better than you on a talent scale. This is a very talented football team that can't get out of its own way. And I'm a guy who's defended Frank Wright for years. I like Frank Wright, and I think he could go on to have success elsewhere. But I think at this point in time, uh, the Colts need a change. They need a fresh start because whatever is going on, whatever coaching is going on, is not working. Yeah, we'll see. I also saw where the where Jim Irsay reached out to Chris Mortensen and he, what was the quote that I empowered Frank to make this change, telling her. <laughs> what does I, that mean? <laughs> my, I, I roll my eyes. I. I I, I don't believe at any part of my being that Frank Wright w- was the, w- was the inspiration behind the, the change. I, I just don't. I I think it works against him on so many levels, but that's neither here nor there. But, again, I, I, I hope this thing doesn't spiral further out of control, but my fear is that it might. It, it very well might. Uh, wh- while we're kind of on the subject and talking about this cold season, the trade deadline is Tuesday. We've seen a few trades already in the NFL, and I think more are expected at 3-4-1. and one. Should the Colts be sellers? Yeah, probably. Uh, and it, it's funny because I think it was Wednesday last week when somebody did ask Frank Reich if, if – going to Sam Ellinger was a sign of waving the white flag, and he took exception to it, as he should, mm-hmm. as he should. But you trade a player, you trade two players, and if that's not waving the white flag, I don't know what is. So we'll see. I think they've got some players teams would like. They would. I think they would love, love to trade Matt Ryan, get something for him. Uh, because they made it very clear that 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 they've moved on after, you know, a guy that they hoped would play for two or three years for him, they gave him seven games. And 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 again, we talked, we've talked whether you know, we're gonna we can debate the good and the bad of it. But but I'm not sure they're gonna find a team willing to take on the contract, because it's it's kind of it's kind of huge. I I haven't looked at the numbers. I just don't think it's gonna happen. 
But I can see a team in contention that might think that he could help them in December if, if an injury hits. You know, I, I don't know what New Orleans is like with Winston and Matt Ryan's better than, than Andy Dalton. He just is. Uh, I, I could see Ngakwe being traded. Yep. I, I think he's been just south of okay. I mean, okay. But teams are always looking for pass rushers. I mean, always looking for pass rushers. Stefan Gilmore, I but when you when you get to those names again, that that's saying that this season is done. And the minute you do that, uh the players the, the the fan base is not stupid. They know what you're doing. And the players left on the team understand what's going on. And again, if I'm a veteran and I see you starting to dump players, player or players, it tells me all I need to know and you know, I I don't know that it impacts how they play. But it it just gives you a sign of where immediately this team is headed, and that's trying to make things better for next year, which is not what a player on this year's roster wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah. A couple more names that I, I think might be prime trade candidates. Ryan Kelly um, not playing up to his contract status. He's getting uh, nearly $10 million this year. Next year, that goes up to twelve, And in 2024, that goes up to $14.5 million. Um, another guy, Kenny Moore. I mean, that's someone who hasn't had near the impact he has had in the past in this new Gus Bradley scheme. He's someone who's unhappy with this contract situation, and there might be a place elsewhere where he could have a bigger impact from that slot corner position. Uh, and I do think there's a difference between the coach throwing in the white flag and the team kind of doing what it needs to do to set itself up for success in the future. I mean, just because the coach isn't going to give up and the players aren't going to give up doesn't mean the team can't do what it needs to, to to ultimately have the most success going forward. You look at the Carolina Panthers. They traded away their best player in Christian McCaffrey, and they're out there. They beat the Buccaneers last week, and they should have beat the Falcons this week if it wasn't for a bogus penalty called on DJ Moore for taking his helmet off, even though he was it's off the, the field to play. In, it's in the books, isn't it? Did he, wasn't he in the end zone? No, he was outside of the field of play. Okay. Uh, Tony Dungy actually has a Twitter thread about it, talking about how that uh, shouldn't have been called. And former referee uh, responded was like, yeah, that, that should not have been called because he was not on the field of play or in the end zone when he actually took the helmet off. But regardless, I mean, that's an example of a team doing the best for – uh, uh, the future of the franchise, but at the same time, still playing very hard and trying to win with the coach and the players that they have. Um, wrap things up here. Let's go ahead and take a quick look around the AFC South. The Titans are starting to run away the, with the division. They advanced to 5-2 and two after a 17-10 win over Houston. Uh, the rookie quarterback, Malik Willis, didn't do much in his first start for the injured Ryan Tannehill. But it didn't matter because Derrick Henry ran all over the Texans, 219 yards and two touchdowns for the King. The- I, I noticed, that, I, I think I saw the note right, that he tied the all-time NFL record with six 200-yard games, and he's had four in his last four games against Houston. That's unbelievable. Ridic- that's ridiculous. Yeah, I remember coming into the season going, well, he got – Derrick Henry was hurt last year. He's 28. He's had a lot of carries. He's a big man carrying a lot of weight. This might be, you know, starting to break down on him. I could not have been more wrong about that. Derrick Henry looks like the uh, MVP 
caliber running back that he has been for the last several years. Colts are technically in seven, uh, second place in the division with a 3-4-1 record. Jaguars uh, are in third. They fall at 2-6 after a 21-17 loss to the Denver Broncos in London. Trevor Lawrence continues to struggle. I mean, he was supposed to be the next best thing since Andrew Luck, and he is not living up to expectations. Passed for just 133 yards on 31 passes, two interceptions, including one on the final drive when they had a chance to win the game late in the fourth quarter. And then Houston sits in last place. They're one, five, and one. That tie in week one looks even more perplexing by the week after how poorly Houston's been playing. And I'm sure the Texans have their eyes on the top college quarterbacks for April's draft. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We will be back on Thursday. Hopefully Dave Griffiths will be feeling better and able to join us on that one. But on Thursday, we'll be previewing the Colts trip to New England. And I get a lot has changed, but it's still the Patriots darn it. And uh, forget the tank when you're playing New England because I still want to see the Colts beat them. So we're going to be talking about that on Thursday. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel. 51. You can follow me at Roto Street Joe. Follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone so we can keep you informed with everything that pertains to Indianapolis Colts day after day. And if you're not already, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so uh, our shows get delivered directly to your listening device as soon as they drop. Again, thanks for tuning in and take care, Colts fans. 